America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Ah, it's her tell show. Uh, he's back uh, from our friends over at elections-daily.com who does excellent work. Make sure they are in your information rotation. Uh, Joe Zemanski back to talk a little redistricting, a little bit of independent commissions, a little unindependent commissions as the case may be. We'll get into it. How are you, sir? I'm good, Andrew. Then thank you for having me on this afternoon. Yeah, we love having you. We'll keep having you on because uh, it's an election year. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, there's going to be some elections this year, so we're probably going to be talking to you and the Elections Daily crew a lot. Uh, let's start with some nomenclature before we dig into your latest piece on the redistricting commissions. I think the nomenclature gets lost, so let's just make sure everybody's on the same song sheet here. Uh, one person's redistricting is one person's gerrymandering, uh, so let's just go over the nomenclature. Redistricting, gerrymandering, what's the difference, which one's righteous, which one's not righteous, or are these just shovels and you can use them to bury your neighbor and or dig for buried treasure is just all in how you use it. Yeah. So redistricting is, <clears throat> excuse me, a process that uh, any state uh, over a certain population uh, or basically any state that has multiple, that has been given uh, in apportionment uh, that's done by the United States census every 10 years, uh, multiple seats uh, at our house of representatives, uh, they have to, redraw those congressional districts based on those census lines every year, uh, every 10 years when that census news comes in. So that's really the key thing when it's redistricting. It's meant to be a fair process where legislators legislators get together uh, from the state, from all these states. They come together in their own separate states. Uh, they hopefully create a map that is fair and uh, creates proportional representation uh, in their state. And then that would be a map that would be signed usually by the governor. If a state has, of course, though, uh, super, if a state party has, of course, a supermajority uh, in their state legislature, then, of course, it can be bypassed from the governor. But that that's basically what redistricting is. And then gerrymandering is basically taking redistricting and turning it into something uh, that's supposed to be favorable for one party or another. Uh, we've seen some really... Uh, Extreme cases in recent years, uh, you look at Texas uh, and Ohio for places like Republicans. You look at places like Illinois for Democrats uh, with Oregon kind of in that range, as well as it seems like New York seems set to very much join Illinois in, in the range of uh, very strong Democratic gerrymanders, potentially. So when I talk about gerrymandering, it's when we they do the re, these legislatures do the redistricting process. They do it in a way that makes sure to favor of their party. They draw the lines in weird ways. They connect uh, areas that maybe do not have any interest together, except they vote for the same party. They connect those together to make sure that the seats that they draw, most of them, or maybe even in some cases, all of them 
are uh, favored to the party in power instead of a fair and equalized map. Yeah. And to be fair, let's just get this out of the way up front because I can already hear people howling about it because I talk about this online like you do. So I already know I know where we're going with some of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of undue stuff that happens with gerrymandering. There's a lot of really unfair stuff. I know in my home state, we just did. We not only re, we lost a congressional seat, so we had to get rid of that, but they also redid the entire House of Delegates structures, went to 100 House of Delegates. And you have fun stuff like every single county has to be its own county. Oh, wait, there's this one place in Dunbar Institute where it's a minority majority neighborhood. Now we're going to go street by street. You get kind of nonsense like that. So to be fair, uh, there is malfeasance and there's real harm done when these maps are not done fairly and equitably and not done thinking of the people first and not political power first and foremost, aren't they? Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, gerrymandering has been there's been data. Uh, that uh, that in some cases has shown that when you do gerrymander, it actually turns down political participation in the state because of of lesser a lot of what these gerrymander maps do is create, uh, for the most part, very uncompetitive seats. Uh, I mean, if you look at uh, state of Illinois, there's really only one truly competitive seat, and that's a Biden plus six seat that drags all the way from Rockford to Peoria and across a couple of blue states on the illinois missouri border so you know it's 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 very hard when states gerrymander uh for them to then create competitive maps texas is the same way really there's only one truly competitive uh seat in um, in texas's 15th new 15th district that's really it so that's that's kind of what happens here of gerrymandering is that not only does it create a very strong imbalance of power it also turns down voter interest and voter uh, turnout because they know that their congressional seat is going to go one way or, no ma- or another, no matter what, under these gerrymandered maps. Yeah. Um, now, one solution, there's a lot of ideas on how to fix gerrymandering. There's no way to fix it because that's fixing human behavior. So let's just get that out of the way. Uh, but one thing that people want to try is they boast of independent commissions. Uh, we have some data now. You have the initial redraws from some of these independent commissions. Uh, just real briefly before we get into it, though, what is the idea behind an independent commission as opposed to the state legislature or the state elected officials doing this? Uh, the idea behind it is usually when it comes to independent commissions is usually uh, creating some citizen dumb process. Usually this process will see anywhere between six to 12 uh, citizen selected picture uh, um, uh, commissioners who would apply for the job and then would basically be like lots be pulled out of a system and then those 12 would become uh, commissioners uh, who would be tasked to redraw the maps. Uh, Sometimes uh, in a state like Michigan or Arizona, there's, uh, you know, there are selected from a Republican bait from a Republican bowl, and then some selected from a democratic bowl. And then in Arizona, there's one person who's supposed to be an independent uh, chair. And then uh, Michigan, there are four people who are registered independents who are then selected to be uh, commissioners. So, you know, it can, those are just two examples. Uh, that's really the main thing of this idea is that's supposed to be a citizen system where legislators are not involved in the process, uh, supposed to be not involved in the process, I should say, in any way, uh, instead of in the process of redrawing their maps. And it theoretically should create a fairer and more balanced system of representation uh, in the states of, you know, states of the United States of America. All right. But now we've gone through the process. We've got a couple months into this. We have maps on paper. We have laws on the books. 
did they work? It depends on what state you're looking at. You know, when it comes down, uh, the, the state I go to college to and the state, if you follow me online, you'll, it's one of two states I cover a lot. And that's, of course, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia in the state of 2020, uh, as voters were electing Joe Biden <coughs> president and uh, electing Mark Warner back to the Senate, uh, voters in relatively by a relatively uh, heavy margin, I believe around 30 to 35 points passed a uh, new amendment to the Virginia Constitution that the registering process for the House representatives, the state Senate and the state House would now be led by an, a theoretical independent commission uh, instead of the state legislatures. But the problem that showed up uh, was that this commission still allowed state legislators in the process. Uh, there were three citizen commissioners from each side, but also there were three uh, legislature commissions from each side, uh, which very quickly became a problem. Uh, Republicans led by State Senator Ryan McDougal uh, were not necessarily very working or not very necessarily uh, doing a great job of working around with the Democratic side of things and trying to make a deal. While also on the Democratic side, uh, State Senator Dick Slaslaw uh, was pushing very hard for incumbency and incumbent locations to be uh, included in kind of the way they drew the map, which under a fair process uh, should not be how things are considered. Incumbent location under a fair process for redistricting uh, should not be considered uh, a major part of those uh, of that process. So that's really kind of the big key issue in Virginia. And then you've got some middling states. Uh, you've got New Jersey, who is, you know, New Jersey has its own problems in which they're not necessarily legislators, but they're party, uh, you know, party uh, connected, seven party connected members uh, are put together on a commission uh, from seven from each side. And then there's one apparent independent member who, uh, if the two sides cannot come to a deal, uh, will pick a map from either side. Uh, that's what's been happening in New Jersey for the last couple of decades. Uh, that's what happened this decade. Uh, the independent per the independent commissioner picked the Democrats map, which basically shored up basically all of their competitive seats, except for uh, New Jersey Southern's Tom Malinowski. Uh, and then you've got Washington and California, uh, two kind of different states in a way. Washington, I think, ended up with a very fair map, but there were uh, shenanigans. Uh, the commissioners almost failed to do their job in passing a map. They were Technically, they did fail uh, under a strict reading of the state constitution. They did not submit it to the state Supreme Court in time and to the state legislators in time, which uh, if the Supreme Court had said that if they had upheld that strict reading would have meant that the Supreme Court itself, which is one of the most liberal state Supreme Courts in the country, uh, would have drawn the map, which had a lot of Republicans concerned that that would have taken out potentially two competitive seats in Washington that are one is held by a Democrat, another is held by a Republican, and turn them into more Democratic leaning seats. There was some concern there. That didn't happen in the end, uh, but it was concerning that kind of Washington for the first time came down to the wire in their commission. And then there was California's. Uh, California's did a good job in eliminating legislators from the process. Uh, it was a fully citizen selected commission. Uh, but as there has been in the past with California's commission, there's been concerns. Uh, the Central Valley region of uh, California had no um, commissioners uh, on the commission. There was no one from that part of the state there. And that was kind of the part of the state that kind of got played around with the most. 
uh, of some of the Republicans that were on the commission. They came from uh, areas that were not necessarily uh, indicative of Republicanism. Uh, there was a Republican from Berkeley uh, on the commission. And if you know anything about the city of Berkeley, it is that uh, Jill Stein got more of the vote there in 2016 than uh, Donald Trump did in 2016. So if that if that tells you anything about the city of Berkeley, uh, there it is right there. So, you know, it, California, in pure look at 2020 numbers and pure numbers of Biden to Trump seats is not unfair. What California's commission did do, however, is make sure that there was, in general, a lack of competitive Democratic seats, especially uh, in the Central Valley. There are fair ways where you can draw a similar map that creates a about Biden plus two or three uh, Central Valley seat and ways that you can create more competitive seats around Orange County. But instead, what Democrats, uh, the, the commission did was that they created a more competitive seat, uh, a more competitive seat in Riverside, surprisingly for Ken Calvert, who was mostly most of his career had a relatively safe seat in Riverside County in the Republican parts there. And uh, they instead drew his seat in a particularly weird way uh, that makes it a only about a Trump plus one or two seat from 2020. And not only that, uh, they didn't make, and not only that, they drew what is now California's third district from what was about a Trump plus six or seven district. They've made that a part of a Trump plus three district. Uh, you know, and at the last second, there was supposed to be only about a Biden plus five district that would be held uh, by Congressman Mike Levin, uh, but they made a last second change from the seat that uh, saw the seat draw in a bluer part of San Diego County. It's an orange to San Diego, uh, northern San Diego County seat. It drew in a more blue part of San Diego County and more uh, made Levin seat a uh, more blue than it was and likely makes it definitely a little bit safer than it would have been on what was almost the final map. So California's problem, if you look at it, just again, pure partisan numbers, uh, not necessarily unfair, but they not necessarily do a very good job of creating many competitive seats, especially in areas where there could have been potentially more competitive seats, especially looking at Central California, so the Central Valley and Orange County. Uh, there could have definitely been a more competitive seat or two in those two areas, especially. Yeah, he's Joe Zemanski. He's from elections-daily.com. He brings us startling insights like Berkeley is somewhat liberal. Uh, and we're going to continue breaking into some of these redistricting stories. We're going to talk about a couple states, some surprises, because there's almost a juxtaposition of states that had really smooth elections or having really messy redistricting fights. We'll get into that with him right after this on Hertel. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. Still talking to our buddy uh, Joe Zeminski from elections-daily.com. They are now part of the Decision Desk HQ crew. They are getting bigger, faster, stronger, getting in on the ground floor like I've been since they first started. Good folks, good information. Put it in your rotation. I, I'm a little perplexed when I read your article at elections-daily.com. Um, you have Virginia, which had a very contentious election, but mechanically, it ran. that election ran really, really smoothly. There wasn't too many hiccups in it. Their redistricting is a mess. You have states like Arizona, which turned into total Chernobyl with all the cyber ninja nonsense and the after effects of that election. But their redistricting went really smoothly. 
that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Or is it a reaction to the elections? And then folks that maybe didn't get what they want in the elections, they go to look for getting theirs in redistricting. Why is that? Can you explain that? Or did you notice that trend as well? You know, that's something when I look at it, I look at what Arizona's was. And I think I mentioned this in my article, but Arizona had a lot of underlying issues uh, in their 2010 uh, redistricting period uh, and their redistricting for uh, 2011 to 2021. Uh, the chair at the time uh, sided a lot with the two Democratic commissioners, and there were a lot of three to two basically partisan line votes uh, on the commission uh, for this past decade. Now, for this upcoming decade, the, the latest chair, the independent chair, uh, Erica Newberg, uh, very, very much said that she wanted to avoid that same nonsense when it came down to the redistricting process. Uh, you know, she wanted to make sure that there was, uh, you know, it, it, it all approval all around. She wanted unanimous approval on these maps. And Newberg was very firm in that. She listened to all sides. She sometimes early on agreed with Democrats on certain things and on certain things she agreed with the two Republican commissioners. And in the end, uh, she helped craft a map that passed unanimously that uh, each every commissioner all on the two on each sides were happy with. And in the end, created a really smooth redistricting process that created competitive seats uh, that is still a five four Biden map and cr again created two new competitive seats, one in the Scottsdale, Maricopa suburbs, and one in the Tucson area suburbs. It created more com two competitive seats in a state that is going to be, for the next decade, a massive battleground state for both parties. So what really happened there, I think, was the duties of a really strong chairwoman who came in and said, look, we are going to make this process fair. I am not going to be someone who looks to agree with every side, every, every time we are going to get this done and we're going to make a fair map done and we're going to make people hopefully have trust in some of our systems again here in Arizona. Yeah. Still talking to Joe Zemanski. Um, let's move forward. We were looking backwards with the redistricting stuff. Let's look forward. You've put out your first list of house seats. Uh, everybody knows historically and cyclically what midterms usually mean. Uh, we are up to, I believe, 26 Democratic uh, either retirements are not going to run for office now. We also know that redistricting, because of the way the state legislatures and that process, uh, Republicans are expected to pick up seats there. Uh, it's a lot of noise right now, so turn down the noise for us. I know it's a way too early prediction, sure to go wrong. How bad is this bloodbath going to be for the Democratic Party? Are we looking at double digits? Are we looking at <laughs> dozens and dozens? Are we looking at a 40-point historic wave? What do you think we're looking at right now? I think right now, if you look at the way the map's drawn, and I think what a lot of people have underestimated right now is that while, yes, Democrats have gotten some victories in Illinois and California, in other states, and just the way things are drawn in the way that the environment is right now, there's a lot of states with, you know, seats that were, you know, between Biden plus two and Trump plus two that we'd say are going to be favored towards the Republican Party. Uh, that's kind of really the thing with these midterm election years is that these are seats that are going to be, uh, you know, favored for Republicans, you know, not by a, not by a whole lot, but they will be favored for Republicans. Uh, you know, right now, if you look at our ratings right now, we we haven't pulled up the full update yet, but with some. Uh, States, of course, finishing from our first update, uh, we have about 
if I look at my numbers here correctly, we have about 149 seats right now that we'd say are favorite Republicans right now. And of our of about our 15 toss-ups right now, uh, you know, only only four of those seats are held by Republicans. Eleven of those seats are held by Democrats. And you know, that is gonna be the way this year's gonna go. A lot of these seats that are in the range of, I'd say, around Biden to Trump plus five, you know, Biden plus five to Trump plus five, these are going to be competitive seats that if the environment stays the same way it is right now, they're probably going to go to Republicans. Uh, that's why right now I'd say I have Democrats losing around 20 to 30 seats right now in the House of Representatives, which uh, they only need to lose five to lose their majority. Uh, I have Republicans, uh, I think right now, if you look at where seats are going and we seats are going, uh, I'm, I would be fairly confident in saying by uh, this time next year, we'll be dealing with a new Republican majority in the House of Representatives. Yeah, it sure looks that way. We're talking to Joe Zemanski. Uh, just to put a bow on this real quick, um, what I, I think bellwether states are way overblown. However, I do think there's a couple things to really watch for. I've kind of dog-eared Georgia because I think that's going to be uh, the Trump folks. That's kind of been their Alamo. They're still smarting over the uh, special elections there. Uh, I, I think Georgia is going to be kind of the one to watch. But what's your state uh, going into these midterms? What's the state you're looking at and going, I'm paying attention to that because that's going to have some ripple effect and that's going to be something that I'm paying a lot of attention to? Well, you know, I'm going to first of all give a slight, a small shout out to my, to my home state of Pennsylvania, who was in, in every year, it feels like always has something going on. But the real estate I'm really going to be looking at this year is uh, the state of Nevada. And if, if we see Nevada, it's going to have two competitive races, it seems like. Uh, uh, they're going to have a competitive race for governor, and they also have a Senate seat up uh, that looks for sure to be competitive. Uh, you know, this is a state that really didn't move that much, even though Joe Biden won by three points more nationally than Hillary Clinton did and won a majority of the vote. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a state that basically didn't move uh, from its 2016 feature. This is a seat... That doesn't have a, this is a state that doesn't have a whole lot of college educated voters, especially around Las Vegas and Clark County, has uh, groups of Hispanic voters that we have seen trend rightwards uh, from 2020 and 2021. So if Republicans win Nevada, uh, both the governor's seat and the Senate seat on the night, you know, that probably means it's been a pretty good night for them. And uh, that's probably a show that not only have they almost for sure flipped the House of Representatives, but that also likely means that they've uh, flipped the United States Senate as well. Yeah. Do you think Nevada keeps their caucus? I think they do. Uh, just because it's it's a state that's fairly important. And I think it's a state that they see themselves as a state that could become first in the nation for Democrats. So I think right now they want to sell themselves off of that and we'll see what happens with it. Does Iowa keep their caucus? Absolutely not. <laughs> we we hope uh, all due respect yes. to our friends in Iowa but what a total cluster that was uh, Joe Zemanski we really appreciate it. let folks know where they can follow you on social media and all the great work you're doing at elections-daily especially right now because you have some election tools on there you have some interactive tools on there and you have these ratings we were just talking about I'm assuming you're probably going to be updating pretty regularly yeah uh, we should have be having senate and gubernatorial ratings for 2022 coming out shortly uh, you can follow me at Joseph Samansky, that's S-Z-Y-M-A-N-S-K-I on Twitter. And you can follow Elections Daily, Elections underscore Daily uh, on Twitter as well. That's where we post uh, links to our articles and as well, sometimes some news and rating updates as well. 
And of course, if you go to the website, you can sign up for a newsletter, uh, which will give you a nice little document of all our articles from the week. Every, every, week, every week on Monday, it'll give you your articles from the last week. Uh, we hope to see you there. Uh, Andrew, will once again, thank you for having me on. Yeah, and I love Elections Dash Daily because they give you a lot of the raw data. A lot of times they'll even have like a PDF option on a lot of their stuff. Uh, they give you the information and they let you figure it out. They don't beat you over the head with it. Something I greatly appreciate you, uh, uh, Cunningham, all the folks over there. Great job, buddy. We'll have you on a lot this year. I'm sure uh, you be well. Enjoy the last of your break there and we'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Andrew. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you, sir. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.